in there. Somehow she gets it. I mean, she wouldn't fess up how she got it, but she's getting it. Comic relief kind of, you know, sells itself. I, you know, because I don't think Wooja Wooja has the same weather that we have. Maybe it was by way of, you know, using the term Djibouti heat, um, which is which is real, but uh, I, I don't know. It, but it is it is kind of humbling to to get some of the comments that I do. Many in the Carolinas and throughout the world know Mark Mousick by one thing, his severe weather email. Yes, his email. His email is wildly popular and gets forwarded around offices every time he sends one out. And you know, I, I do it. So why? Dr. Ladner, Amy, and I asked ourselves the same question, but then soon found ourselves really utterly and completely sidetracked reading some of his past emails. <laughs> Based on the current track, conservative rainfall amounts range from 10 to 15 inches over the PD to four to six inches over the CSRA. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like, I like this one. Good morning, the tropics, they sleep. A mid-Atlantic gaggleplex of cloud midway between Africa and Brazil in the ITCZ drifts harmlessly west, pummeled by sheer and poor choices. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> the poor choices. Post-tropical cyclone Leslie is corralled over the northern Atlantic. Leslie makes looping whifferdills over the open ocean for the next 7 to 10 days, menacing mariners and not much else with hurricane force winds. Curiously, according to NHC, not a hurricane. Discuss. <laughs> Welcome to the Outfall. I'm Robert, and today we talk to the one and only Mark Mousick. We learn a little bit more about him, his growing email list. We also discuss old school science behind some of his predictions and why sometimes he does not agree with the National Weather Service. Mark works for the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources as a severe weather liaison. So how did Mark get to be Mark? A small Navy military plane that sits on the corner of his desk offers a clue to Mark's background. I went to the University of Connecticut. I got my degree in geology and geophysics. And then about, the about that time, uh, graduation rolled around, the oil companies weren't hiring. So the Navy came around and their OSHA programs had one for geophysics, but really it was oceanography meteorology. And so I joined, went to OCS and they said, you know, you're gonna have to learn to drive a ship first. You know, you go through OCS and the follow-on, which is surface warfare school, and everything's Destroyer, cruiser, frigate, destroyer, cruiser, frigate. And so the Navy goes, no, you're going to go to an aircraft carrier. So life in a big city, um, little tiny me is on aircraft carrier for three and a half years learning how to drive. But the upside was they did have, they, they all have weather office. So I, I did a lot of on-the-job training and just saw what they did and hung out with them and saw how, you know, how not to breathe, how to breathe, especially on a carrier. I mean, you're dealing with these fighter pilots and the attack pilots and the captain and the whole deal, they don't want to hear weather excuses. They, want, they don't want to hear possibly, maybe, likely showers, stuff like this. They, they, what is it going to do <laughs> type deal? So it's, it's, it's kind, of, kind of a brutal way to grow up, but it, 
it helps you at least with the science. And the fact that you're away from the United States in a National Weather Service, and you've got to figure it out on your own. I mean, you're, you're in the Southern Hemisphere, there's, there's no other forecast but yours. So you've got to come up with it. And, wow. And so you've got to figure out how to do that forecast, how to brief it, how to use what limited data you have to, to come up with it. There are some, some tremendous people to teach you with a lot of experience. Mark first got his taste of mixing humor and weather on an aircraft carrier. He discusses how this helped him, and we, we learn more about how his email list has grown. And there's an airplane that covers the next day's activity. And it's an, almost an hour-by-hour hour list of landing and launching by type of aircraft, by squadron, to actual ammunition loadout, the whole deal in there. And it comes out just after midnight. And so we're sitting up on the bridge, we're driving the ship, and this thing comes out. Really, there's not a heck of a lot to do in there. So when the airplane comes out, the people that put the airplane out would always put a far side cartoon. And they, they would change it, and it would be apropos to something that was going on with the ship. And the cartoon would be changed, and be, the name would be scratched out, and it would be, you know, the captain doesn't let the navigator drive. Because the, the navigator's a dog, and well, anyway, right. so it was just that something kind of banal and serious. These guys thought enough to put something in there just to go, hey, you know, put a cartoon in there, make fun of somebody on a deal, which I mean, it caused a big debate because the lawyers stepped in. Pardon me to all the uh, you esteemed people in the legal profession. But they came in, and the big stinkers, you can't put copyright material on the airplane. Well, which they came back and said, well, the airplane's technically confidential, so no one else can see it. Nanner, nanner, nanner. <laughs> so anyways, it was, it was just kind of this way that you can do something serious and have a little bit of fun with it in there and just make it more interesting, make it more likely someone's going to pay a little bit more attention to it. So doing this Navy weather stuff for, for a lot of years and having to be very serious, I ended up my last tour, it was a Naval Academy, and I had to put out a daily forecast for all the activities that were going on, the sports and the marching parades and all that stuff. They wanted a, a daily forecast. So when I got there, the head of the oceanography department said, this is your forecast now. I started doing that and I realized, look, this is my last tour. What are they going to do, send me to sea? So I just started putting these little hooks in there and, and just trying to, to poke fun a little bit kind of doing my own little version of the airplane cartoon and something that usually people just go, uh, weather. Hence, coming here to DNR, then the, the, the climatologist, state climatologist, Dr. Mazelis goes, oh, well, this is your job now is to do this. And I'm like, okay, because <laughs> you don't know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> so I figured, well, I'm just going to slip back to the same mode. And so that, that's kind of the whole evolution of, of this whole crazy weather alert thing. Um, and it grew for, it's grown from a, a, a list of about 100 state agencies and people in the building to about 21,897, something like that. They have not gotten a negative, we've had one negative um, response to it. That probably people are just don't say anything, just you know, throw rocks. What was the negative response? It was actually someone... Um, and I believe it was from the governor's office, um, 
way back when, two or three ago. And I said something about it was going to be a really severe thunderstorm day with high winds. And I said something about, you know, bad day to own a, mo a mobile home or something like this. And they said, oh, you can't say that. It'd be I was like, okay, sorry for being funny. <laughs> um, you know, I was just trying not to say, you know, you know, high wind warning, blah, blah, blah. blah. No, I'm just trying to make a little bit of fun of it. It's quite flattering. Um, I, every time I put something out, you know, a bunch of people will come back and say, you know, really like reading it. Really like, not how, I mean, how you put us, not a comic spin, but just make it a little bit more interesting to read and, you know, put a smile on my face, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, but it, I try to just spin it in and not, you know, make it one big, huge, funny, haha. But just get to the point of what the weather is, you know. Maybe throw in a couple funny hooks and, you know, and let it go. I mean, don't get it too big and too all schmaltzed up with a bunch of um, corny jokes in there. Um, it, there is a tendency, though, um, when we start dealing with real live hurricane threat, that people generally found that my humor kind of gets less and less and less. In there, as it, it gets more and more serious, it's it more serious, and it's it's not that it's more that I'm banking on people picking up on that. It's just the fact that I'm looking at so much stuff, all the different models and, and the data that that's out there, and I know people are starting to get a little bit antsy. I just don't really have a heck of a lot of room or time to to start thinking about that. I, I need to get them the message out as soon as I can. Especially to some of the people that like like DPS, you know, they got to put the the troops on the street for these things. They they need to get the, the information I think soon, um, and they don't need to be calling me. I, I need to push it to them. You know, I was always curious about how Mark does his job, so it was really neat just talking to him about this. You know, Mark discusses the old school science of what he does and explains why you just you never follow just one computer model. People turn around and, and give someone a decent idea of what might be the threat. There's a called a forecast cone and it literally is during a forecast process you start at the upper levels levels of the atmosphere and the cone kind of translate into the amount of time that you spend. On it, and so as you get down farther and farther and farther, you spend more and more time on that data at that level. And there, you find tools that work. You find tools that don't. Um, you find model runs that you don't need to spend a heck of a lot of time on. You just say no. I'm, I'm waiting for the zero zero Z run or the twelve Z run type deal. All sorts of little tricks in, uh, of the trade, and and don't discount some of these old timers. And some of these guys that I work with in the Navy, I mean. They're like, put 35 knots over there in the Caribbean. They're like, wow, there's nothing out there. Put a certain next day that, you know, there's 35 knots sitting out off the coast of Columbia. How the heck did he know that type deal? So, you know, you, you all this great science and, you know, equations and stuff like this, but sometimes these guys just look at, you know, well, the winds are like this way from in uh, the Caymans and they're this way over here in Guadalupe, you know, and you're going to get 35 knots over there. Wow. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that to me was some of the more mind-blowing things that, uh, that I was exposed to. So it, it really is a, a huge data geek coliseum. The, the one thing that I found that a lot of people do is they, they'll look at one model run okay. on, on one day and say, oh, it's a storm's going there. Oh, dude, no. No, no, no. It, 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 it's a day-to-day process. It's a run-to-run process. It's, you're comparing, oh, the European is the best model. No. There's sometimes it's wrong. You have to evaluate all the tools in your toolbox. That's a stupid metaphor, yeah. if you ask me. But uh, the, between the big models, the European, the US GFS, UK Met is, a, is another one there. Those big global models are your first go-to. And then the new thing that kind of followed on to those were the, the ensembles. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're taking one model, be it the European GFS or UK Met or Canadian, and they run it several times, but with little different boundary conditions or different initial conditions in there. You get these ensemble-type forecasts. This is, you know, 40 ways that the model sees this going with these little changes in there. That's another thing you need to look at. What's the mean of, of, of where the things? Something else you need to look at. And then there's something that you see, and you see it in the spaghetti diagrams that they show on TV, is they actually will take kind of like a little bit of the European, a little bit of the Canadian, and they, they kind of smoosh them together, and, and they get these kind of consensus models in there. And those have actually proven to be some of the better track models out there. That's another thing that you need to look at, not just a model, but you need to, you know, the models matching the satellite, is to look at, all right, I can't see a center of circulation in, in a storm. Well, that means the models are having a hard time too. That puts a lot of slop in that track, and that's what you saw with Barry. I mean, it was, it, they all locked on, oh, it's going to Texas. Eh, no, it ended up coming back okay, into, into Louisiana. There's a lot of uncertainty in the models. Sometimes they're all on top of each other, and that's, that's what you're kind of striving to see is all the models, but with, be it the consensus or the ensembles or the daily operationals, are they all coming up on, a, on one big narrow line? When you get that, you're pretty much sure that that's where it's going to go. And we kind of saw that with Florence in there. They were doing a pretty good job of keeping it boresighted on Wilmington for as long as it did. The rainfall amounts were kind of all over the place. That said, other big thing where you can really get toasted is the intensity. And that's where the models aren't that good. Hmm. They, they, they have a very hard time. And, and imagine it. What you're trying to do is model a cloud and the convection within a cloud times how many thousands of kilometers wide um, from the surface all the way up to the... What are all the different convective physics are going on, the phase changes, the the thermodynamic, the kinematic, all that stuff's involved in a cloud. That's some pretty varsity math in there. And we're not there with the math and we're not there with the computing power yet. Europeans sort of good. But even the Hurricane Center, they'll go say, you know, we kind of still suck at intensity forecasting. Do you say, when do you think that'll start getting better? Is that a five to ten year kind of window? Or? I, I don't think we'll ever get it right. I mean, it's just so complicated what's going on inside in, in a, a full-blown hurricane. And they're um, getting more and more data with all the airplanes that are flying in and out. It, it helps the models a lot. But, but still, being able to tell 
exactly what the wind speeds are going to be when it makes landfall it, it, it's really a crapshoot it really is you can get you in the ballpark but not quite as good as nailing down a track and, and where that track is going to make landfall Before we wrapped up our interview, we talked a little bit more about why his email has become more and more popular. Uh, I mean, from the feedback that I get from some of the, the responses to this stuff, people are just sick of, of this doom and gloom from all this stuff. I mean, they know enough to get out of the rain. They know enough to put their windshield wipers on when they're driving the car in the rain. Um, they know hurricanes are bad, but when you look at the track record, as far as, I mean, it's, it's become any storm that gets near the coast, we evacuate. We didn't have to for the last couple of storms at all. Yeah, it was, it was pretty varsity weather there for a while. We moved a lot of sand around and people got a lot of, you know, there was some flooding and, you know, cars got stuck in big, big ponds and whatever. But it wasn't like Michael going into Florida when it basically just, the National Hurricane Center used to be very, very conservative about the message they put in. And they, they wouldn't put all this thing terms of deadly storm surge. And it's just got to the point where I mean, people go, it's not that bad. I mean, we, we've lived through this stuff before. And, and, and I think that's, that's what's going to set up people for fall. Because we get a real live Hugo or, or something that's worse than Hugo ro rolling into the coast. People go, we had Florence. It wasn't that bad. You know? And you know, oh, we didn't have to evacuate. It was, it was, a, that was a nuisance. We, we, you know, we don't need to do that. We'll just, we'll stay at home. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know, you can, you can only yell fire in a theater so many times before people start, do, you know, just totally ignoring it. And I think that's setting them up for a fall. So yeah, a lot of times I, I will poke fun at kind of what the official word is out there. And sorry, I'm, I'm going against the National Weather Service. But I don't think it's right. I, I think you can, you can use the science and make better decisions. I mean, if you're, if you're continuing having government agencies that are, have to compete to, for funding, if you have media outlets that, that compete for viewership and, and advertising dollars and, or clicks per whatever on the right. internet, that's just the sign of our times now. Someone's got to be the voice of reason, so that's just what I'm trying to do. NWS folks are insisting on dropping an isolated tornado or two, if only for the drama that is in it. Oh. My, <laughs> oh. my two cents is most of the more intense severe activity will occur over the other Carolina to the north. However, we'll still have our share of arboreal integrity checks this afternoon. Headlights on whilst driving in the rain, please. I forgot the arboreal, arboreal integrity, integrity checks. Yes. Thanks for joining us today. If you've not subscribed to Mark's email list, the link is included in the show notes. Go hit it, click on it, subscribe. One thing, which I think is really funny, we discovered in working on this episode is that Amy, our own Amy, keeps most of Mark's emails. Anyway, she shared one of her favorites with us and uh, we, we read it to Mark and his response is classic. 
few model runs continue to hint that this no-name feature heads north over Cuba and the Bahamas to possibly threaten the U.S. East Coast late next week. A dubious solution that plays fast and loose with Occam's razor. <laughs> the prudent mariner abides by the weather glass. Love it. <laughs> I, have to give, I have to give props to the, uh, a structural geology professor I had at UConn, and he was big into Occam's razor, to which all us undergraduates are going, what the hell is that? Generally, when you when you, you start to explain things and, and there's there's all sorts of twists and turns and, and, and how you're going to get from point A to point C, generally that ain't the solution. And then a little bit of it is just showing off. So <laughs> I, I know what Occam's razor is, and you, you probably don't. So I'm, Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We appreciate it.